You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of the Locked On NBA podcast, where we talk about the latest and greatest things going on around the NBA. My name's Tony East, filling in today for Wes Goldberg. I host the Locked On Pacers podcast about the Indiana Pacers, and with me, always on Tuesdays, Mr. David Ramil from Locked On Heat. David, how's it going at this lovely, very late Eastern time hour? Fantastic. Ready to talk basketball at one in the morning, just like everybody else is, I'm sure. <laughs> David and I were both at a game today, so it makes sense for us to, to cover those games in a little more detail. But a ton of action around the league. Only three undefeated teams left. Only two lossless teams left. So we're going to talk about who we think lasts the longest without a loss and who gets a win first between those two teams. But we'll start with the games we were at. David was at uh, the Orlando Magic versus Miami Heat today. Kyle Lowry returns from injury after missing the Heat's Saturday game against the Pacers. And he returns at a good time to play the lowly Orlando Magic, who are young and not very good yet. David, what were your big takeaways from that game as the Heat got back on track? Well, that it's pretty evident that Kyle Lowry has managed to make an incredible impact with Miami. It's just a few games already this season. Like his incredible impact offensively is something tangible. You saw that against the Indiana Pacers on Saturday. Miami's offense was sluggish. They just didn't have any kind of control whatsoever. Uh, often looking to Tyler here to bail them out offensively. And that wasn't the case on uh, on either in the season opener against the Milwaukee Bucks when they blew out the Bucks, or tonight when they blew out the Orlando Magic. Lowry not putting up big numbers, but setting the pace, just finding shooters, just uh, you know guiding everybody to their open spots, and just has this incredible mastery over the other players that he shares the floor with. And while he's not putting up a big numbers, like I said, he just he seems to get the b- best out of everybody. And tonight it was Jimmy Butler. He had 36 points. He scored 24 points and 11 of 13 shooting in the first half alone. Uh, wound up having some really, really big shots down the stretch there. They didn't really need it uh, by the fourth quarter, even though Orlando had tried to keep it close for most of the game. They, it was just simply too much. They couldn't handle the physicality of Miami's defense. Uh, basically, it just led to an early blowout and uh, a good win for Miami as they're going on to look ahead to the Brooklyn Nets on Wednesday. So a good overall game for the Heat. Not much of a statement game because, again, as you pointed out, the Magic aren't particularly good. But, you know, it's good to see Miami find their identity early on and, and surprising that Lowry is such a big part of that identity. As you can tell from, you know, the loss on Saturday, they just didn't seem to have one. It kind of looked a lot like last year's offense where they weren't quite sure exactly who was going to step up around what occasion. And Lowry seems to just steer the ship, and that's just exactly why he was brought in there. So that's why it was such an underrated and yet such a good move for Miami as offseason. Yeah, one of those one of those most Kyle Lowry stat line games of all time. Four for 11, one for mm-hmm. six from three, eight assists, and then nine points plus 12, right? The, the Heat just kicked the crap out of the other team when he's in the game because he can organize the team. He gets guys up and moving. His defense is good, right? All the things that that make the engine point guard effective or there that happened all the time with Toronto. He would guide their second unit and have an awesome plus minus and be big for them. And on the magic side, Cole Anthony could not follow up his incredible performance against the Knicks over the weekend with, he was okay. You know, almost a double, double got nine rebounds. He had a ton of rebounds against the Knicks as well. He continues to look good on the glass. Uh, they got a lot of points from a lot of their starters. They had six guys in double figures, but no one over 15, right? So a young team trying to share the ball and get better, but, 
they're not going to beat the Heat when Jimmy Butler has 36 and Kyle Lowry is guiding the ship. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, look, I mean, the, the Magic, I think they've got a bright future. It's just not something that they can look forward to right away, and not for quite some time. But uh, I think Miami certainly a much more realized team and a team that you cover. I think uh, I'm curious to see what your takeaways from tonight's game were. Yeah, Pacers hosted the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks in the newly named Gainbridge Fieldhouse. I'm not even sure many people knew that they changed their stadium name. Got it as close as five in the fourth quarter, right? It was a close game where the Pacers finally in the fourth quarter figured out how they should defend Giannis Antetokounmpo, but there's only so much time where a plan against Giannis actually works. You know, the Heat saw that in the playoffs last year. So many teams saw that in the playoffs last year, but you, you know, there's a point of the game where you there's just nothing you can do, and that they ran into that when they were down five. Giannis finished with 30-10-9. and nine. He was utterly ridiculous. He got to the line for 13 free throw attempts. Chris Middleton had 27 points on 17 shots. So even without Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis, sometimes the Bucs, it's just a really simple plan. They have some good three-point shooters, right? Grayson Allen shot very well. Pat Connaughton shot very well. And they have two really good stars. And that's a really hard formula to be, even when you're the Pacers and you're getting over 20 points from Brogdon and Sabonis. And Chris Duarte continues to look amazing. And it's some decent bench performances, Justin Holiday and Jeremy Lamb. That doesn't really matter when Giannis is just the best player in the league. Yeah. Who, who has the primary assignment of trying to stop out of the Kumpa? I mean, I, obviously it's a team effort, but on the Pacers yeah. side of things, is it Sabonis or Turner that winds up taking on out of the Kumpa? Well, Turner did it at the beginning of the game. He had two fouls in about three minutes. Yeah. So, I, can't so, imagine. I mean, that's just how it goes. Right. And I was joking in media row before the game, like that's kind of what my plan would be. Like, just, you know, you have a bunch of centers. You're a very big team as Indiana. Like, just put these guys in to soak up some fouls. Goga ends up playing. Goga Batad ends up playing 17 and a half minutes because they kind of tried that. Uh, Sabonis defended him kind of a lot, ends up with three fouls himself, but played very well. And then Goga, their, you know, depth reserve center, plays 17 and a half minutes and ends up with five fouls. But he scored seven points very quickly against Giannis. So, yeah, their plan was clearly to be physical with their bigs on him, and it kind of worked. They they tried to send the doubles, but you know he finished with nine assists for a reason. Like that, 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 there's only so much resistance you can put up against him that actually works. Are they still the clear favorites in the East with all the trouble going on in Brooklyn and everything else? I, I think Brooklyn, you have to assume that they're still going to be a pretty good team, and eventually they'll figure out whatever the situation is with Kyrie. But there's just so much noise about James Harden not being as effective because he's not able to get those foul calls because of the new rules in place and things of that sort. They just haven't looked great. They won tonight in a 104-90 victory over the previously unbeaten Washington Wizards. <laughs> but otherwise, I just I, I'm not sure I'm sold on Brooklyn completely. And and conversely, with, with the lone exception of their loss to Miami in Miami season opener, the Bucks have looked pretty dominant. And now we were also expecting that Giannis would be much more of a long-range shooter, that he would continue to evolve as far as his shooting is concerned. He's looked pretty good as far as the, his free throw shooting is concerned. As you mentioned, 10 of 13 at the line, that's a pretty dominant performance there. Those are some easy points that the Pacers gave up there. But in your opinion, do you think the Bucks are still the clear favorites in the East? Uh, I would say so, just given what we've seen from the net so far. Like, you already brought it up with Harden, but – you know, another struggling game against the Wizards, five for 17 for 14 points. And the key stat for him, again, Steve Nash already talking about it, three free throw attempts in the whole game, right? So his game, he's he's so effective at it that, you know, I thought his free throw attempts would go down a little 
but not this much. You know, he's taking way fewer this season, nine assists. So he's still getting involved. He's basically playing point guard, not even basically. He's definitely playing point guard with Kyrie out, but it certainly looks way less effective this year than he has in any season in forever. But they continue to get great minutes from Patty Mills, which makes the Nets still somewhat dangerous. And I think if you have Kevin Durant, you're going to be a top three seed in your conference. But yeah, if Harden can't, you know, if, if the rules really bog him down this much and, and who knows about Irving, maybe they don't end up looking as good as I thought they could before the season. And right now, yeah, the Bucks definitely look like the best team in the East. Well, speaking of the best today, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part there's no annual contract, so stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Willie Green got his first win as a head coach today. David Ramil, thanks everybody for making Locked On NBA your first listen today. And reminder, today's show brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked on sent you. I was really high on the Pelicans before the season. Obviously not having Zion is very painful, but they have looked really bad coming out of the game. So it was good to see them get a win against the previously undefeated Minnesota Timberwolves. Valanchunas looking good, earning that extension with 23 rebounds and 22 points. That's exactly what they need from him. Brandon Ingram finally looking like that all-star from two years ago. Do you have any hope that the Pelicans can kind of turn around their 0-3 start and look good without Zion, or is this just kind of a blip for them? I don't know. I really don't. And I, I I, hate to say it so vaguely, but I kind of get the sense that they're just treading water at this point because I feel like there's so much doubt surrounding Zion, his health, his return, how long he could sustain it once he does wind up coming back. Like Nobody doubts his impact because he just he is – a term that's being thrown around a little bit too often, but he is a generational player because he changes the way defenses have to guard him and the rest of his team because he's so dynamic as a scorer. And yet you look at what's happening there and you look at all the questions about, you know, his health, his, his feet, whether or not he can keep his weight down and everything else. And, you know, you hear the rumor about him being up to 300 plus pounds at one point. I, I just, there's a lot of doubt over this team and with a first year coach, and a roster that, you know, you and I had talked about this prior to the season. It seemed exciting on paper. It seemed like you could have a great combination of players there. And yet it just hasn't manifested. And a big part of that is because it's Lions absence. So to me, I, I look at this team and I think I don't know what to expect from them. I don't know that with a first year coach that they're able to say or that they have the kind of veteran leadership on this team that says, you know what? we still have a goal in mind and that goal is to reach the playoffs. And, and given all that, given that they're waiting on their leader, Zion Williamson, basically to come by and save the season, I'm not as confident as others might be. Yeah, it's, it's certainly in the, their, their early start has made me reconsider my early high evaluation of them that like you mentioned, we previously talked about, but a lot of that was, I like Devontae Graham too. He was very good for the Pelicans today, eight of 16 from the field, seven assists, they dominated his minutes, plus 23 when he was on the floor. So if you get good production from your former all-star in Ingram, your prize off-season addition in Valanchunas or Graham, whichever one you want to call the prize, and your other good valuable addition in Graham, you should probably win that game and they got enough from their bench. And that's kind of where Minnesota struggled. And I like Minnesota's team, but one of the fears for them is they're very top-heavy. 
Uh, and Anthony Edwards had 28 and Cat had 32. And then no one else had more than 13. So they just were a very imbalanced team. D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley couldn't get going. So, you know, if they can't have a balanced attack necessarily, it might be hard for Minnesota, especially with their defensive woes to be a good team. I was surprised they were still undefeated, but maybe Minnesota can, can carry something out of this game and, and get going a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it mostly boils down to D'Angelo Russell having a pretty terrible game, three of 14 from the field for nine points, uh, one of eight from three point range. I, I just, I think that's basically what it boils down to. Now, obviously I did not watch most of that game, but in, in just kind of perusing here, it seems like when you when you're as top heavy as this team is, you kind of need him to thrive, and that was not the case there. I wonder who was guarding. Was it Nikhil uh, Alexander Walker there? I think that seems likely that he was kind of trying to stop Russell from finding a groove there, and it worked because obviously they weren't even able to reach the 100 point plateau there. The Celtics, uh, 14-0 run in overtime to get their win over the previously undefeated Charlotte Hornets. Who Looked really good the first week of the season. Uh, to get this game to overtime, the Celtics relied on a huge Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown game. Both of them 30-plus points tonight. And they get to OT, and they're actually down 129-126. I was watching this game in the Pacers arena with under three minutes to go. Celtics down three. They end up winning in overtime by double figures because they just went on an absolute tear to close this game in overtime. Schroeder hitting, hitting threes. Brown dominating those two guys were the key factors for them down the stretch. So Boston, a, a nice good win for them. They hadn't really had a good win. They only had beaten Houston this season. So makes me a little more confident in them and Schroeder fit in well as a starter for, I think the first time of the season. So I think Boston's going to get on track. Uh, I think they're, they're a good team and Jason Tatum's excellent and beating a good team certainly makes me feel a little confident about that. Yeah, similarly, I, I, you know, I was big on the Celtics chances, but they just haven't looked great to start the season. Maybe there's a little, you know, health issues, as there often is with a lot of teams at the start, you know, Indiana being one of them. But the fact that they needed 71 points between Tatum and Brown to get past the Hornets, not ideal, at least not to me. Uh, I think you're still missing some scoring, not just from the starting lineup, but also from their bench as well. Somebody needs to step up, and I'm not sure if it's just a matter of getting players healthy and maybe their rotation shakes out a little bit. I think they were expecting more out of Josh Richardson, who just hasn't been a factor and hasn't been a factor anywhere since he played for Miami. But uh, I wanted to ask you about Charlotte because, yes, they have looked good. Are you a believer in that they're finally turning things around? Well, if this is who Miles Bridges is, yes, yeah. I am. I mean, he looks if – you, if you had to pick their, your most improved player favorites after only a week, so it's way too early for awards. But, I mean, he's got to be top one or two. He had 25 – and 10 tonight. I mean, he's he's looked really excellent both as a as a more of a scoring threat away from the basket than he's been in past season and just as a general like nose to the ball kind of dude. And Lamelo's looking better both as a shooter from deep and a passer as he you know, he's only in his second year, which is crazy. Um, so if those two guys, if their improvement is legit as it has looked, you know, I watched them beat the Pacers on opening night uh in, in heavy detail. And Ish Smith has been a nice guiding hand for their second unit a better backup point guard than Brad Wanamaker that they had last year. Uh, they just improved in some nice areas that have made them look really good to start the season. So I think they can be, I don't think they'll be, you know, as strong as they've looked around the season, but I think they've, they've proven to me that they took a step forward from last year for sure. 10 three point attempts from Bridges tonight. They, he, he was, <laughs> he's certainly looking to shoot a lot more often this season than he was last, but yeah, I mean, certainly, a dynamic score and you're right about ball and, and you know they've got some pretty good depth and, and even the 
like the Mason Plumley addition, it's not, you know, it's not everybody, you know, it wasn't exactly moving the needle, but he brings something to this team. Like he's a veteran presence. He's a good screen setter. You know, he can shoot a little bit on occasion. Uh, but Ubre Jr., I think he's kind of flying under the radar too. He's having a quietly pretty good season after kind of struggling to find his role in Golden State last year. I'm not sure how consistent we saw that from him last year. He was kind of up and down in Golden State. And I wonder whether or not that's going to be duplicated in Charlotte as well. But overall, a pretty good game and a good start for the season to them. They're obviously looking to make the playoffs. It's going to be a tough stretch for a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference because it seems like even with Brooklyn kind of still trying to figure out their their path to the, the Eastern Conference finals, I, I think a number of those teams that were previously thought to be kind of in that second or third tier, they've either looked good or you know surprisingly better than uh, a lot of people thought they might be. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting Eastern Conference. But speaking of interesting, we're back at Better Than Ever. That's Bet Online, a new web interface for the start of the basketball season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus from basketball, football, Baseball's postseason, the NHL, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts, and don't forget to use the promo code Locked On. Now, sometimes you're probably going to need to get parts for your car or truck. I know it's kind of a pain. You don't necessarily want to go to your local auto parts place, you know, one of those local franchises, you know, you, you get asked questions. Maybe you, they have the parts that you're looking for, or maybe they just have to go through their warehouse and see if they have something that kind of fits exactly what you're looking for. Not quite, but why go through all that hassle? They're just going to look up something that they happen to carry in their warehouse or their computer when you've got access to computers at home in your pocket, which means you've got access to rockauto.com, a family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 plus years. That's the kind of service you can depend on. Their website is easy to use, easy to navigate, just a few clicks and you get the parts that you're looking for cheaply and direct, uh, delivered directly to your door safely and without any hassle. You can save money and time by going to rockauto.com, whether you're a mechanic or a do-it-yourselfer, they serve all of your needs. And best of all, if you go to rockauto.com right now and find the parts that you're looking for for your car or truck, you go to the section that says, how'd you hear about us? and write the phrase locked on so they know we sent you. It's amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. So the Nuggets lose their first game of the season to the Cavs, no longer undefeated, ugly game, but good for the Cavs getting their second win of the year. And the Clippers destroy the Blazers, Paul George, an excellent game to get their first win of the year. Paul George stat line, only 16 points. Doesn't look as great, but eight steals, five assists, still leading that Blazers team very well. So that means because the Chicago Bulls destroyed, and I mean destroyed the Raptors until the very end of the game. It's a three-point game, and it's very untelling of the game. The Bulls were up almost 20 uh, in the third quarter at 15 early in the fourth and 10 late in the fourth, and they still almost lost. So I don't think the scoreline tells... The story of that game very well where the Bulls were looking much better than the Raptors. The Bulls are one of three undefeated teams, and we are down to two teams without a win in the NBA. So what we're going to do is decide which NBA team will be the last undefeated team and which team will be the last winless team. 
So, David, the three undefeated teams, the Utah Jazz, the Golden State Warriors, and the Chicago Bulls, who is going to be the last team to lose this season? Well, listen, I think the Golden State Warriors have been surprisingly good. I, I know maybe not surprising. That's not quite the right term. When you've got one of the best players in NBA history and, you know, you've got a pretty decent surrounding cast there, I, I think we always we expected them to be a playoff team. But I don't know that we expect them to be as, as good as they've been. And, you know, it's just a hot start. Maybe you can just kind of write it off as need be. But I don't necessarily think they're going to be able to maintain that. To me, the team that seems much more likely, and we've always thought they were going to be a regular season juggernaut, the Utah Jazz, I think that's the team that's least likely to lose anytime soon. They just they could certainly go on like a 10-0 run to start off the season then drop a game and then win another five to 10 games after that. Just, they're just that good. And I thought that they were going to be a serious contender. As I talked to you about before the season, I think we did talk about this. My, my yeah. pick for the, the Jazz was, you know, they kind of had the same approach this past offseason that the Bucks did the previous year where, you know, this was a team that's been really, really good during the, uh, the regular season. And so a lot of people kind of dismissed them because, well, they just that success didn't translate to the postseason, but they made a few changes. They've added a couple of key players. I think you keep that kind of integrity and consistency to your main core, and that just it, it, it bodes well for a team. You can just kind of continue to build on that and achieve more and more success. So I think they're going to be able to get over the hump. I, I still think they're going to be able to get uh, go on a deep playoff run too. But as far as they're, you know, well, their record right now, I think they'll be able to notch a few more wins before they they get a, a loss anytime soon. So just going off of where I ranked these teams before the season and how they've played to start the year, I would probably agree with you that Utah has the best shot to, to be undefeated the longest. We saw them go on ridiculous runs last year and even two seasons ago. I think they had a long winning streak as well. Quinn Snyder, excellent regular season coach. There's one problem with our analysis of this question that I did not realize when I asked this to you. What's that? The Bulls and Jazz play each other this coming Saturday. So <laughs> one of them will be losing by that day. Uh, the Jazz play the Nuggets uh, on Wednesday and the Rockets on Thursday. They could easily win both of those. And the Bulls play the Knicks on Thursday. So it's possible those teams go into that game fighting for the last undefeated spot. And another wrinkle in this is the Warriors schedule coming up is very easy. They play the Thunder, Grizzlies, Thunder, Hornets, Pelicans, Rockets for their next six. So just going on the schedule, it's possible that it's the Warriors just because they could just roll through some easy teams. But also it like probably can't be either of the Bulls or Jazz because they play each other. It can only be one of those two teams. So whoever wins Bulls, Jazz has a very good shot to be the last undefeated team in the league. Uh, but I think Utah's got the best shot. They look good if they can beat the Nuggets uh, on Wednesday, who are playing on a back-to-back -back after losing to the Cavs. I think they're going to be the last team undefeated in the league. Now, listen, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but we were talking about this before the show. And, you know, I know that the Bulls are a divisional rival, but I mentioned to you that I'm not a believer, and you pointed out quite accurately that their schedule has not been particularly difficult. They've gone up against a, a you know, a winless Detroit team that's still looking for their identity, uh, they're a young team also. Uh, I, I'm just not sure that I am necessarily a believer. I know a lot of people, similarly to the Knicks, it feels like whenever the Knicks are somewhat good, all of a sudden everybody sees them as becoming a contender and everything else like that. I'm still not a believer in the New York Knicks. I'm not a believer in the Chicago Bulls either. Are, are you, do you see this, this roster can finally tie it all together and become something greater than they actually are? Because I, I know they've got some fine players. That's not to knock 
DeMar DeRozan or Zach Levine or anybody that's on the Chicago Bulls roster. But at the same time, I'm not sure that they can tie it all together. Yeah, they're 4-0, which is awesome. But they've beaten the Pelicans, the Pistons twice, and the Raptors. And two of those games were quite close, right? So it's hard for me to get a feel on them. I don't think my preseason assessment of them has changed. My pre-hyphen season assessment of them has changed very much. I think they'll be in that play-in mix in the East. You know, we'll see how long it lasts. Maybe they really have built something special here. And, uh, you know, they're, they're clearly a, like their preseason was hilarious because I swear every time the Bulls score would pop up across the ticker, they're winning by 50 or 60 points. But it's preseason games. So we'll see how much it translates. They are 4-0 for a reason. But that reason could be that their schedule is easy. And they played the Pistons twice. So speaking of, let's flip the script here. The Pistons are 0-3. And the Oklahoma City Thunder are 0-3. And I think both of us think both of these teams are not very good. Who will be the last team to win? No scheduling conflicts this time. The Pistons and Thunder don't play each other for a very long time. So we're we're good on that. Uh, I'd have to say... And this kind of counters exactly what I predicted as far as the Oklahoma City Thunder are concerned. I thought that it would be historically bad this season. And yet, I still think that they're actually somewhat better than the Detroit Pistons. I just, this isn't to say that, look, Shea Gilgis Alexander is the best player of the two teams. I think that's pretty clear. And given that, I think he is likely to find a way. They're, they're, competitive in a way that I don't find the Pistons being like, it's not a knock on Detroit. I just think that they're still rebuilding, still looking for something out of their players there. And I I don't think they've got exactly what they were hoping to get out of Kate Cunningham right away. I think that's going to be more of a long-term project. Having said that, I I think Detroit has a pretty good, I mean, sorry, I think Oklahoma city has a pretty good, much more well-rounded roster that could possibly eke out a win here or there. Now it might be one win amongst 10 losses. That doesn't seem surprising either. So my pick would be that Oklahoma city wins first. What about yours? Yeah, I think I would pick them too, because like your theory, I ascribe to, they have the best player. Shea is clearly the best player between the two teams. And even Josh Giddy has been playing well, yeah. or at least has the fewest kinks of some of the young guys between the teams. No Katie yet makes it hard to, properly assess Detroit he's still fighting that ankle stuff but you know Sadiq Bay hasn't looked great for them coming off of a nice rookie season Killian Hayes seems like the most turbulent player amongst Pistons fans on the internet and you know Kelly Olenek is only giving them so much there their free agency acquisition so yeah their team doesn't look very strong right now Josh Jackson turning the ball over a ton I have to be the guy who's looked at the schedule. Detroit plays Orlando on Saturday. But outside of that game, their next five, their next six is is uh, Philly, Orlando, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Philly again, and Brooklyn again. That's tough. So if Detroit cannot beat Orlando, it's looking like Oklahoma City is going to uh, escape the cellar before Detroit does. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> Detroit, well, and they're clearly rebuilding. They just had the number one pick, but not having Cade playing yet, I think, has you know, just it's just sad. You know, I don't even want to watch them, which which <laughs> I should I shouldn't not want to watch a team. I, I mean, I think people will kind of like build themselves up on the idea. It's like, oh, we can at least see a young rookie and find his promise, and, and what potentially can it kind of build on, and and seeing how the rest of the roster shapes up on, around him and things of that sort. But without him out on the floor, there's there's nothing, right? It's just kind of a, a an accumulation of players without a clear identity or not a, without a clear hierarchy. It's it's uh, painful to see, I'm sure. But that doesn't like mean that nothing, you should. Because Sadiq and Killian are something, but not 
not the something uh, that has the same alert as the number one pick. By the way, since we are talking about the Pistons, uh, Trey Young and John Collins ran them over tonight. Uh, the Hawks, <laughs> the Hawks beat them by 18. I mean, that, that game was exactly how you'd expect it to go. So, yeah, Detroit, Detroit's bench in that game had 16 points or had 19 points, excuse me, total. So they're, they're lacking depth. They're young. I mean, they're, they're just not very good. And when, maybe when Cade comes back, they'll have a spark. But I, like you, think the Thunder will, will win before them. Well, we'll see. We'll have to talk about this uh, in the next week's episode of Locked On NBA. Absolutely. Tomorrow on Locked On NBA, John Corrales, Jake Madison will take you through and around the league. David is on Twitter at DRamil13. I'm on Twitter at TEastNBA. And of course, Locked On NBA Pods is the place to go to get all the information about the NBA and each specific team. Thank you all so much for tuning in today, and we will see you next week.